Hi, this is Chris, and you're listening to the Nerdy Dadcast. So here I am all on my own. And you might be wondering, well, wait a minute, why is it just Chris this week? Uh, Where is John? Isn't he normally involved in every episode? And it is true, John is normally here. In fact, this week, John was to be here. We actually recorded an episode uh, earlier this week on potty training. And that's the topic that I'm going to cover today. But the problem was that there were some technical challenges that we ran into, and we're not entirely sure what it was. Uh, John, while he was talking, uh, there was a crackle and and an echo. And uh, when I was recording, what was interesting is while I could hear it, I couldn't see the the same sort of noises that I was hearing represented uh, in the software. And as a result, I sort of presumed, okay, maybe it's on my end. Uh, When I asked John, am I crackling to him, or does he hear it when he's talking? He didn't. And so we presumed everything was okay. Unfortunately, it wasn't. And lesson learned, probably should run a little test recording, figure out if what I'm actually hearing is true and move forward. Uh, I have a number of podcasts and this particular issue I've never encountered, so I can't say for certain one, what caused it and two, how to avoid it. But the lesson that I have taken away is the need to test. So I apologize that John is not here and I apologize that you're missing out on what was the greatest podcast episode ever recorded in the history of any podcast. It was that good. So all I can offer to you today is a tribute to that very awesome episode. Now we are going to talk about potty training. That's going to be the focus of sort of our journey, or at least my journey with the baby force. And I'll provide some insight as to the uh, commentary that John had provided in our, our, you know, awesome recording that we had had, though I will not put words in his mouth. And it might be a topic we revisit at a later date uh, once we get our gremlins sorted out. But we also have a a pair of tickets to award to a one lucky listener. And so we're going to do that uh, a little bit later in the episode as well. So potty training. Right now, uh, we are going through potty training with Baby Force. This has been a process that we've been sort of following along for about a year now. Uh, My wife and I started, uh, you know, encouraging uh, the use of the potty and just a I guess just under a year ago and, and uh, baby force took to it uh, quite well. The first time she sat on her potty, she peed in it. Now she was a little like, Oh my goodness, what have I done? And we said, no, this is good. This is great. We encouraged her. We celebrated high fives, everything all around. We're like, wow, this is, this is good. The second time she used the potty, she went poo in the potty. Oh my goodness. Look at how awesome we are as parents. We've got the easiest child. This is going to be phenomenal. It's just happening. And all those, you know, stories that we've heard from other parents and the experiences they've had, not our child. Little did we know that that's not actually how everything tends to work. You see, Baby Force does view the potty as a good thing. And she sees it sort of as a progressive uh, event that takes place as part of her journey and and growing up from a toddler to young woman to the, you know, two and a half going on 21 year old she is today. But she's also pretty smart and she started to, I think, figure out what she was able to do and whether or not she wanted to do it and the parameters to which mom and dad uh, would sort of use. Case in point, the potty that uh, my wife picked up 
was a small sort of transitional potty. It starts off as a, as a potty. It's got a, a handle that when you flush the potty, quote unquote flush, uh, it celebrates. It's like hip hip hooray. And then uh, the seat itself can be taken off and put on a toilet so you can actually transition from potty to toilet. And then when it's closed, it acts as a stool. It's also Minnie Mouse and, and Baby Force. She loves herself, Minnie Mouse. Right now, there are two things in this world she loves, Minnie Mouse and Peppa Pig. So this Minnie Mouse potty, she really enjoys using it. So the first two times went really, really well. But see, Baby Force figured out that when you flushed the potty and you got the hip, hip, hooray from Minnie Mouse and the crew, that that happened whether or not you actually did anything in the potty. So being the smart little girl she is, she determined that, well, hey, I'll just flush, get my cheers, and then we'll celebrate, right? I don't have to go pee, and I don't have to go poe. And that's ultimately what she transitioned uh, towards. <laughs> the act of going to the potty, sitting on it for you know a few minutes, five minutes, ten minutes, flushing it, getting a celebration without actually anything occurring. Yeah, probably should have done things a little bit differently in the get-go. So what my wife decided we would do is we would almost incentivize her use of the potty. And so the incentive is the ability to go and put on uh, pull-up diapers as opposed to sort of the standard diaper we're using. Baby Force quite likes this idea. She loves pull-ups. She sees pull-ups as her being a big girl, and she wants to wear them. So we have been much more strict in our approach to the use of pull-ups, the pull-ups get put on after a successful use of the potty. Baby Forrest tried to negotiate, or she figured out with the handle that, oh, I can do this and it celebrates, so I'm going to do this as well, and I'm going to get my pull-ups. And we've been much more strict as to whether or not she gets them on, which has created sometimes a, a series of wham-whams and upset that uh, Baby Force didn't get her way. Now, there are a lot of other methods out there that uh, I'm aware of that others might uh, choose to use when it comes to uh, potty training. Um, in fact, in our, our prenatal group, <clears throat> the method that seems to be followed the most is the three-day method. Now, if you're not aware of what the three-day method is, and it may have different names, but the concept is that over the course of three consecutive days, it is intensive potty training. Now, intensive, not because you're you know, potty, 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 although the concept is that you do. It's that you have your, your child uh, wearing no diapers. In fact, it's probably easier just to have them wear no pants. So they are running around full-on, nudie-patootie, commando style over the course of three days. During those three days, you're almost forcing them to drink, drink, drink water. Get a lot of liquid into their system, because what happens when your body has more liquid than it needs? It determines it's time to go and evacuate said liquid. And the idea is that you're trying to uh, almost convince or train or help your child learn that sort of urge and sensation, so the need to go pee, with then where you need to go pee at. Now, during those three days, there are going to be accidents. It's why you sort of do it three consecutive, and it's almost encouraged that you do it at home. You're also going to potty like every 15, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, essentially on, on clock. As clear to clockwork. Boom, 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 boom. And that then encourages your child to, again, use the potty. Like, oh, I'm sitting there. I think this is a safe place. I got the urge. Let go. Great. And you do it multiple times through repetition. Your child eventually picks it up. Now, I believe the overnight period, you would still be wearing a diaper. I can't imagine doing three full days of very little sleep for anyone involved to train the potty. But it's not a method I am too familiar with. 
Um, there are a lot of books out there uh, on the topic. In fact, there's a, a number of, of sites that talk about it, and I'll link to one in our show notes. But the three-day method, again, sort of intensive training. My wife and I had considered doing this sort of over the holidays because I had taken uh, one week off uh, to be with Baby Force over the course of the holidays, Wizard Acre closes. And uh, the problem was, is everything that was going on, we didn't really have the time to focus on this. Where That's the sole thing that we were doing. We thought about doing it sort of the weekend after because my wife was off. But again, lots going on over the course of the holidays. So it wasn't too practical. The approach that we're still following right now goes back to the whole use the potty, get the pull-ups. And that seems to be working a little bit better. She also uh, uses the potty when she goes to daycare occasionally. Um, but the one difference, though, is she's decided she's no longer going to use her potty. No, she wants to use the big potty. And that's fine. I mean, to be honest, I don't care what potty one want, needs to use. Her potty, toilet, whatever. The challenge, though, is that uh, nothing ultimately occurs. And during that period of time, you're just hanging out, waiting for you know magic that may or may not happen. And it's something you do just multiple times over the course of the day. As a parent, it is a necessity of, of what we are going to do and will not stop. But it's just something that I never thought in a million years I would ever be doing is hanging out in a washroom, trying to encourage my daughter to pee or poo either way. Now, when it comes to actually going pee in the potty, she's, she's more amenable to that idea. Going pee in the potty seems to be a logical thing. But when it comes to going poo in the potty, oh, no, no, you don't do that. You need to stand up to go poo. Um, she actually was telling us one night. I need to go, oh, it's like, okay, well, you know, you want to go to the potty? No, I, I, I can't sit. I got to stand. You have to stand. And she had this very, you know, well thought uh, process as to why one needs to stand to go poo. Again, I won't question her logic. Her logic was relatively sound in application, at least in her mind. Uh, but somehow she's got in her mind that you have to stand up. Maybe that's just because it's easier to perform the action. Because when my daughter goes, oh boy, she focuses. We're talking like full on concentration. And you can tell she's just given her. Now, this sort of ties into um, a process that uh, John and, and his wife used uh, with their, their, their son and their daughter as well, but, you know, their, their firstborn son, was uh, elimination communication. And I won't go into it in great detail because it's still a, a topic that I'm not entirely familiar with. I only heard about it when John and I were recording the episode. But the concept is actually pretty sound. With elimination communication, the idea is that your child communicates to you when there's a, a need to go. And so I, I called it sort of like a, a poker tell. Now with baby force, you can tell. You can see sort of the face when she needs to go uh, uh, poo. Uh, pee, that we haven't figured that one out. I've never actually seen her like show that sign of relief or, you know, the concentration. And it just sort of happens. And she'll tell us she announces after the fact, but never beforehand. But with elimination communication, uh, when your child is between sort of, I think it was six to 18 months in age, uh, you really focus on one, what is it that they're using to communicate to you their need to go or the fact that they're going? And then in turn, you're almost tying in a more uh, visible form of uh, communication, be it verbal or what have you, to, to sort of uh, simulate that process and getting on the potty and, and, uh, it seemed to work uh, for 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 uh, John and and his wife and his oldest. Um, uh, the process is a little bit different with their with their daughter, but again, I I won't put words into John's mouth. This is something he can talk about in a, in a future episode. But illumination communication is another approach. 
And that's not to suggest the elimination communication or the three-day method or the uh, ragtag method my wife and I are, are, are using are the best. I'll, I'll be honest, I, very, I don't really know what the best happens to be. So I'm actually going to ask you, our listeners, to maybe share feedback with us as to what your approach was to potty training or what, what is it that you're planning to use? Now, were there any tips or tricks of the trade that you found successful? Now, how do you let us know? You shoot us an email, feedback at nerdydadcast.com. That's our email address. Or you can reach out to us on social and send us a tweet. We're at Nerdy Dadcast on Twitter and on Facebook. We're facebook.com slash Nerdy Dadcast. Now, I don't think it would be a fair episode where we're talking about potty training, where we're talking about pee and poo, where that hasn't actually happened to us. And that's something that, uh, you know, John had, had brought up. He's like, you know, I never really appreciated how much of that I would be dealing with and, and how it, when I became a parent, it just became like, oh, well, it's almost second nature. Whereas prior to that, it's like, oh my goodness, I'm going to nope out. And I can relate when I used to, uh, sort of, you know, be over at my, my sisters or my brothers and they both had uh, boys before uh, I had my daughter. So I was good times uncle, as I called myself, uh, anytime something like that happened, I was out. Peace be with you. I'm going to hang out in another room. I don't need to be around that. I'm good times uncle. And so the running joke was that when I had my own child, oh boy, it was Chris in for a rude awakening. And maybe I was, maybe I, I did get awoke or woken, uh, but I don't actually recall there being an event that took place where I was like, oh my God, I can't believe this is happening. Um, I've been peed on a few times. I've been pooped on a few times. I mean, it unfortunately happens. Sometimes that diaper can only hold so much. And uh, you learn that it reached its limit when, unfortunately, uh, you see what's happening on you uh, or, you know, what might be happening through the clothes that your 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 child is wearing. But uh, the story that I have actually is that uh, we were uh, just last year, we adopted a, a cat. We rescued a cat. Uh, and uh, we went to the pet store um, to look at fish because uh, Baby Force, she loves going to pet stores and she wanted to see the fishies. And we go in there and you walk past, uh, essentially through the front door, and then there's a scenario where there's all these uh, kittens available for adoption. And oh my goodness, there were some cute cats. Now, one of them, our sort of first choice, uh, was already adopted. But our second choice, Twilight, the kitten that we brought home, um, equally as cute. Now, the process to actually adopt isn't one that's uh, too easy. You have to fill in a bunch of paperwork, and then uh, that paperwork was sent off to the rescue agency because, again, the pet store was simply the conduit as to which the rescue agency was using to adopt out their, their pets. But uh, while we were going through that, I suddenly noticed that there was liquid of some sort dripping onto the floor. And then I look, and here I am holding baby force, and yeah, all that liquid is what my shirt and pants haven't been able to soak up and is currently uh, running down my leg. I mean, it's funny that I don't notice that sensation uh, until I look. So my wife continues to sort out the paperwork, and I take baby force out to my truck. Uh, that was the other thing. When you go into the pet store, uh, there may have been a restroom, and I have to be honest, it may have had like a change table or what have you. I don't know. But regardless, uh, we didn't bring that type of stuff into the pet store. It never occurred to us that we would need to deal with a diaper there. So I go back out to my truck, and I and I sort of change uh, baby force in the, in the back of, of the truck itself. I'm pretty sure uh, many parents have been there, where that's where you unfortunately had to, to, to do the deal. So I quickly get her changed. Now, always in a go bag, um, bring a, a change of clothes for, for the little one. Uh, if you don't, you will find that at some point in time, you will wish you have had brought those change of clothes. 
So we did. We, I got Baby Force changed into a new set of threads. So she was all happy. I mean, it wasn't a big deal. I mean, hey, if the worst thing is that I got peed on, it's not the end of the world. The problem is that never in a million years did I think I needed to bring a change of clothes for myself. So here I am, uh, essentially got a shirt that's pretty soaked, pants that are, are, are soaked on the right leg, uh, my sock and, and my shoe to some respect. And it's like, okay, well, what am I going to do? I can't freak out about it. We got to go back in. We got to sort out the adoption and uh, and move on. So I get Baby Force ready and I take her back in and go in the store and I'm hanging out. And this uh, woman walks by. Oh my goodness. Yeah, it's rainy. It's so wet outside. You got drenched. Now, it never occurred to this woman that only one side of me was drenched, <laughs> but I just found it funny that her correlation to my pants being wet and the shirt being wet uh, was immediately, oh, it's raining outside, and yeah, that's what happened. But instead, I got to uh, live my life gloriously, smelling of pee. But hey, you know what? Again, could be worse things, and I wouldn't trade it for, for anything in the world, because uh, ultimately, if being peed on means that baby force is my life, uh, it's uh, uh, nothing I need to to be too stressed out about. And that's the other topic I'm curious about. And I think it make make for a future episode where we can talk about uh, some of these strange things that have occurred. But uh, uh, what would you suggest is the, the weirdest moment that you've been peed on, put on, uh, maybe had some throw up on, you know, the gross stuff. It happens. And, uh, you know, I'm curious, how did it happen to you? And we'll maybe we can talk about it in a future episode. So I'm going to take a quick break here uh, before we get into being a little nerdy. Today's topic, or at least nerdy topic, is going to be Star Trek. I'm a big fan of Star Trek. Now, I can't say I'm I'm such a diehard that um, I know the entire canon. I read all the books. I've seen the animated series. I've seen every movie, every episode of the original series, all the way up to, uh, I guess it would be uh, Enterprise and, and Voyager and, and uh, Discovery and all that. No, I haven't. I, I started in TNG. I got a little DS9. I watched some Voyager. I watched some Enterprise. I've watched all of Discovery, and the episode that has triggered this conversation is I got to see the first episode of Picard. I loved it. Now, I don't know if it's the sentimentality of, of this TNG uh, world that I, I miss, but I really enjoyed the first episode of Picard. In fact, I really wish it was more than just a one-hour standard episode. I kind of wish it was sort of a two-hour episode, you know, sort of like the made-for-TV movie uh, experience and introduction to the TNG world that we, uh, we were accustomed to. Now, Star Trek itself is just making a resurgence. I mean, Discovery itself has had two seasons. It's going to have a third soon. And, uh, you know, Discovery I've enjoyed for the most part. We'll talk a little bit about that in a moment. But uh, Discovery is in its own sort of world. And then if you think about the rebooted movies, you've got the J.J. The Abrams uh, uh, universe, and, and that's in its own sort of uh, uh, world as well and uh, its own canon and i i believe they approach that in a smart way where they you know use the passage of time and different timelines and all that i guess it's the prime timeline that i'm i'm most uh, accustomed to and it's the one that i've i've grown up with but back to picard i loved everything about it i love how you know so much time has passed and yet they're still you know it's as if and not to suggest it's like immediately after uh, the the last movie but uh, nemesis, but it, it works off that sort of canon. And we talk a little bit about, uh, you know, data. Now this is somewhat of a spoiler. If you haven't watched the episode, but Brent Spiner makes an appearance in the first episode of Picard. No data. As far as we know, 
uh, did perish in Nemesis, which if you have not seen the movie and I spoiled that, I'm so sorry. Too many years have passed. There's no spoiler alert to opportunity there. And it introduces, um, you know, a little bit of the background of sort of what Picard has been up to. We get uh, some insight as to uh, things that have transpired. And, and in turn, we start to sort of explore the world that uh, had become of Earth and really the, the Federation of Planets as we might know it, um, you know, in, I think it's 20 years later. The end of the episode, though, and maybe not the end, but sort of the the sequential sort of few scenes to the end were really good. Um, it sort of hit every little sort of question mark that I might have had and then completely introduced more questions, and which is why I sort of really relish, oh my goodness, I, I can't wait till episode two takes place. Now, the end, however, so many questions there. I, I am genuinely curious what that all means, and I'm really looking forward to the fact that we are going to learn over the course of the season. Now, the other thing that I think they're going to do well with Picard is that they are bringing in characters as needed. Um, we're going to see, uh, you know, Jonathan Ricks come back as Riker and, and Maria Sirtis as, as Deanna Troy. She'll, she'll make an appearance. We are getting Jerry Ryan as seven to nine as part of the, I think the series itself from what I can gather, which is fine. I have no true problem with that. And I think that sort of brings sort of the DS nine universe into it again, no huge issue, but, uh, I, I am just genuinely psyched. In fact, you could say I, I'm, I'm more psyched for Picard and what we're going to get from that series than I have been really with Star Trek Discovery. So Star Trek Discovery, I enjoyed the first season. I know I'm in the minority. I enjoyed the first season more than I enjoyed the second season. My problem, however, with the first season was with some of the approaches that they took, um, you know, for instance, the Klingon Empire, um, some struggle there, uh, the tech that they're using in Discovery that somehow... Know, never really existed in the you know era of TNG, but hey, um, you know I'm sure there's some explanation there. Uh, season two was fine in sort of how it was um, positioning itself as sort of the move forward, and I think season three is where things will really start to uh, to come into play. But season two of Discovery, in my mind, was also the springboard of of what they plan on doing and using that as sort of the spinoff series, kind of like how, uh, you know, DS9 was sort of the spinoff of TNG, uh, but really it, it wasn't. And DS9 sort of made its own own path and, and changed things around, which again is what it is. Uh, and I'm curious what, uh, you know, season three of discovery will, will mean. I know the ratings themselves for Star Trek discovery probably haven't been where they thought it would be, but Hey, you know what? I still think uh, there are good things to come. What I really wish there was when it comes to Star Trek, however, is a continuation of the movie series. Um, now, the actual uh, movies themselves, um, you know, it's the even odd concept. Even movies are good, odd or not so much. Um, but I, I do feel that there's there's more that can be done there. Uh, and I, I'm not suggesting the J.J. Abrams universe movies being the only ones to take. I think there is an avenue here where they can sort of almost tell the timeline of what happened in TNG. Like we've got this sort of prequel material out of Picard. So wouldn't it be cool if we saw sort of something that happened after Nemesis? Use Picard as sort of the springboard to reinvigorate the franchise and then in turn go back and sort of tell the story. I think it would be really cool if it could be accomplished. Hey, you never know. Maybe that is already in the works. The last thing I actually wanted to touch on before we go and, and wrap up this episode is the uh, uh, fact that uh, 
other series I kind of wish to make a reappearance was uh, Stargate. I don't know if any of you ever gotten into Stargate. I loved Stargate. I loved the original movie. I loved uh, the Stargate series. Uh, Stargate Atlantis was okay. I enjoyed it. Uh, I loved Stargate Universe. I might have been the the only one out there. Um, and if I wasn't, there wasn't enough of us to, to keep that series on the air. I like that it was darker. Like, I actually think it did well. It was almost like sort of DS9 when DS9 went dark. And that's when I felt that DS9 uh, really found its form. Well, Stargate Universe, I felt, had really positioned itself well. And there was so much that could happen. Um, I know the the final episode that was aired is a, a cliffhanger that may or may not result in a movie, a series, who knows what. But whoever owns the rights of Stargate, there has to be a means to make something happen. I mean, look at the sci-fi sort of universes that exist today. There are more and more people engaging. And then you think of all the different ways that you can get your content now, whether it be through Netflix or uh, uh, Amazon Prime, or I mean, all these different networks themselves are creating streaming services. So there's a lot of over-the-top opportunity that exists where I can see something like Stargate making an appearance. And then the other one was Battlestar Galactica. I know they ended, sort of speak, um, the the, the storyline there, but oh, did I enjoy the remake of the Battlestar Galactica. I didn't grow up in the, sort of the, the original um, BSG uh, world, so, uh, you know, when, when your Cylons looked like the uh, toaster you have in your cupboard, but uh, the the new sort of reinvigorates, I really enjoyed that. What sci-fi have you enjoyed? Are you a Star Trek fan? Uh, we talked about Star Wars the episode before. I mean, that, that applies. Uh, Battlestar Galactica, Stargate. What am I missing out here? Um, I'd love to hear. So here we are wrapping up an episode that I am recording all on my own after the fact, after the greatest podcast episode ever was recorded with John. I hope to have those issues resolved, the gremlins sorted out, uh, so that our next episode, John and I return. But there is one final thing that we need to wrap up. So as we talked about in the last episode, we are able to score a pair of tickets to the wellness show here in Vancouver. It happens the weekend of February 1, February 2. And uh, we had a you know small contest where we wanted to award one of our listeners an opportunity to, to attend one of those two days. So we do have a winner. Now, before I announce that, uh, that person's name, as, a, as I happen to know it, uh, there were multiple different ways to enter one, uh, simply subscribing to the podcast to sharing some information on Twitter, following us on Twitter and, and what have you. And, uh, of all the entries that, uh, uh, were available and there was sort of a different tiers, so, uh, one point for liking, uh, following us on Twitter, one point for the tweet. And, uh, there were three entries for subscribing to the podcast. And if you did all that, you got a bonus five, the person who won had a single entry drawn. Now they actually entered multiple different ways, but it was just a single entry uh, method that uh, they had that uh, won it. So congratulations. And that lucky person, if I had a drum, I would roll it, is uh, Botasib. That's their name on Twitter. I wish I had the, the actual name, but congratulations, Botasib. Um, I will be in touch uh, letting you know that uh, when you won, I'll reach out by email. And then to the, the wellness show and the team there, they're going to uh, make arrangements with you to uh, get those tickets to you. I, I believe uh, they'll uh, probably leave them at, uh, at Will Call at the convention center there. But you, yes, won uh, a pair of tickets to the, the wellness show. Congratulations. Uh, for those of you who didn't win, I apologize. I wish I had more tickets to award. I wish I had a ticket for every single person that entered. I don't. Uh, but we do look... Uh, ahead uh, to see if there's going to be an opportunity for us to, to partner with someone and, and really recognize one of our listeners uh, in some way, shape or form. Now, 
If going to the wellness show is something that you are interested in doing, uh, head to the wellness show.com and uh, you'll be able to go and, and uh, find out all the details there. Um, pick up a couple tickets or a ticket or two or three or four, how many ever you need. Uh, but I encourage you to check it out. Uh, I've gone a few years, uh, lots of, you know, good, uh, uh, good presentations. Uh, there's a you know, showcase floor. There's all sorts of things happening. And if you want to get nerdy, Hey, they've got uh, Nintendo switches there. You can see some of the, the games that are going to be available, but also the uh, uh, other, you know, technology-driven uh, wellness trends. So here we are wrapping up uh, an episode again, just with me, Chris, and no John, unfortunately. Uh, but I do want to remind you that uh, we are available through social media, and if you follow us on Twitter or on Facebook, it is the Nerdy Dadcast. Uh, so Nerdy Dadcast is is where we're at. If you want to reach out to us by email, it's feedback at nerdydadcast.com. And one of the things that uh, we do plan on doing more of, sort of as we get our our footing is really looking to engage with the you are listeners, but also the community. Myself and John are really looking at exploring different opportunities to to connect. We're going to be talking about our stories and the journey that we've had as fathers, but we also want to you know have the ability to share the stories of other fathers and, and parents, for that matter, that are out there. We're also going to have some episodes uh, where they're just focused on sort of us, and it's not always going to be about parenthood per se. But you know, one of the things about parenthood is you as the parent. So we'll talk on uh, different topics, but the idea is, is really looking at a means to take us from episode five as to what we are today to episode 500, where we're starting to talk about transitioning into the nerdy grand dad cast from the nerdy dad cast that we are here uh, broadcasting from uh, today. So thank you for tuning in. As always, we'll be back again in a couple of weeks time. Hopefully John will be here on the other side of the microphone but I ask uh, for you to do only one very simple thing. Until then, stay nerdy, my friends. <laughs>